How many of you know that the church building is the only place that you can hear from God? <laughs> I was waiting. I got a few boos. That was pretty good. Um, you know we say every Sunday, you don't check your Holy Spirit at the door when you leave this place. This is, this is a great time to come together and worship and fellowship and, and, uh, and just be with one another and hopefully hear some good news. Um, but the Holy Spirit does not just reside in this building. We're not in the Old Covenant. We're in the New Covenant. Where's the Holy Spirit live? <laughs> Only in Melissa, apparently. <laughs> and Pam. Where's the Holy Spirit live? In you, right? It's where it resides. It's where he lives. Not it, he, him, living. So guess what? Everything you do now is spiritual, whether you want to admit it or not. Whether you're happy about what you're doing or the results of it, the Spirit's going to go with you. He doesn't just check out. Scripture tells us that even if you go and, and visit a harlot, Holy Spirit goes with you. You don't check Jesus at the door. The darkest places, he's with you. If he lives with you, he's with you. He doesn't check out. He's not, he's not going in there. Now, the interesting thing is you, when you realize this and you really begin to wrap your mind around it, we talk about um, our hearts being changed when we came to salvation, 100% complete in Jesus and our minds constantly being renewed so we don't live from everything that we see in to our hearts the way that a lot of the culture will tell you. And what I grew up was the heart is all emotion and the brain is all logic, which is baloney. It's an old Greek word. But the, the actual reality is that Christ crucified your heart and gave you a new one. And if his sacrifice was enough, then your heart is perfect. And that's hard to wrap your mind around. Trust me, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around. That's why he says to renew your mind all the time. Your mind has to be renewed to what's happened in your heart. Now, what happens when you, when you begin to live from your heart instead of trying to fill it with good things, which is what religion will teach you to do, fill it with as many good things as you can, and maybe you'll be good. Hopefully, the good will overpower the evil, like the little angel and the devil thing. Yeah. That's not scriptural. That's cartoons. And angels and devils don't look like that. So the, the reality is your heart has been crucified. Done deal. Game over. Your mind takes a while to catch up. I always use the, the analogy. I'm not a computer person. I'm trying to see the computer people in here. We've got a few computer people in here that will correct me probably. Just wait till afterwards because I'll get distracted. This is your hardware and this is your software, right? Your hardware, when you get a MacBook, if you're smart, if you get a PC and you're not, no, I'm just <laughs> either way, you get a computer and what happens immediately? It needs an update. I just bought it yesterday. It needs an update immediately, most of them, right? Have you all been there? Or your phone needs an update. I just got it. Same thing. Your, your hard drive needs updates constantly. And you can, I could chase this all the way. The only one that can write the software is the one that installed the hardware. And you can, go, you can chase that, and that's a different sermon. But the point is, now that you have the hardware and your software is being renewed, and you're moving forward and you see things differently because you have new hardware, <laughs> you begin to change the way that you see things, right? You're grabbing from a different bag, sort of. I use a lot of visuals. So instead of grabbing from your own, just your own knowledge, now you can keep your knowledge. I'm not saying just be dumb. Keep your knowledge, but now you're grabbing from another dimension, essentially. You are seeing through a different set of lenses. Um, and so when you walk, like, you know, <laughs> this is how you walk. Now this is, when, you, when you walk, I, I do that because it's not just on the pulpit. Like when you're in, in life, when you're walking around in life, and you're talking to people, and you're at work, and you're at church, and uh, you're at school and different places like that, you see things. And the Lord can bring those to light to you through the Spirit, right? Have you all experienced that? 
you can, you can see past um, certain people's personalities or their hurts or their anger or their ignorance even. <laughs> um, and you see the way that God sees them to their full potential. You guys know I use a lot of car analogies, but I always I love fixing up cars and old things and old jet skis and stuff like that and making them like new. Because I, I, I always, and I always said that I see the potential that these things have before they're ever done. Like an old rusty, my first vehicle is an old rusty blazer, and I could see it, you know, painted a different color with different wheels on it and different engine and all these different things before any of it ever happened, right? And I saved up and I paid like a grand for it. And then thankfully some lady hit me and insurance paid for a paint job and wheels. But that doesn't matter. <laughs> that was not planned, but the Lord blessed me with a paint job and wheels. Anyway, so, but, it, but I see that I, I want to always see the, the full potential, and I don't always in people. It's easy for cars and stuff. It's just my thing. But with people, I don't always do that, and sometimes that's harder. What's even harder than that is to try to translate that to kids. I say that because I've, I get to take my kids to school pretty often because they go to school pretty early, and it's before I usually get on the road to go to work. So I take my kids to school, and we have some really great and strange conversations um, on the way to school. But some of the greatest revelations I get just talking to my kids, because even that's spiritual, right? Every moment, everything that we do. And so what happens is I begin to try to teach them uh, proper responses to people. And so what they'll come to me with is they'll say, you know, and this is true story, so don't tell the kids, they might get embarrassed, but... They'll say things like, this kid said this, or this kid was mean. And even most recently, there was a kid that said, <laughs> both my girls said, hey, y'all, you know, y'all have a nice afternoon, or y'all have a nice day or something. And this kid was like, what'd you say to me? She was like, just have a nice day. And he was like, don't say that to me. And he was like real mean and like got an attitude with him. And uh, he said, what'd your sister say? And she said, she said the same thing. She's like, tell her not to say that either. And so I was like, well, I said, what happens, this is the same kid that also told them that they, they, they came from monkeys, and their dad burned all their Bibles, and like a lot, a lot of crazy stuff. I was like, wow, that's pretty deep <laughs> for as little as they are going to elementary school. And I was like, okay. I said, well, here's the thing. I said, and I explained to them, look, um, you don't need to defend yourself. You don't need to, to be aggressive back to them. I said, you can love them in the midst of something's going on in their lives that have hurt them. There's something that's happened to them that's changed the way that they see things because you were just trying to be nice to them. So I was like, well, just keep being nice to them, you know? And here's the thing. We... Our, our, our kind of gut reaction sometimes is to fight. And I spent the first half of my life that way, um, responding to people constantly, always responding to people. And now I, I would love to say that I will always be there for my kids physically, but I know that's not true. It'll never happen. Eventually, they're going to grow up and they're going to move out. Now, I would love to be, right? I, I, it's not that I don't want to be, but it's physically impossible for me to be with them. And it would, be, it would hinder their life if I did <laughs> to say the least. Keep <laughs> and so I realized that I have to, even now when they're little, I have to help them to see that they will carry the Holy Spirit no matter where they go. And here's why. There will be a day when they grow up and they graduate, and I don't want to talk about it long because I'm already starting to cry. There will be a day when they grow up and they graduate. And I'm, I, I realized this the other night when I was, Trinity was taking a boater's test. She's 13. She's taking a boater's test, which is similar to like a license which had that, you know, gut-wrenching, like, bad taco feeling in my stomach. It was like, oh, no, you're going to be getting a, a license pretty soon and driving. Um, and so uh, <laughs> the bad taco thing finally catch up. So I, 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 it, really, it, it really scared me, like, whoa, this is really happening, you know? 
And I hope that everything that I tell her, she can take with her when she leaves. And I hope even more than that, that the Holy Spirit will, be, will continue to teach her as she goes, right? So I also won't say that it, if someone tries to physically harm my kids or something, that I'm not saying that they will not get a sandwich with extra knuckles. But I will, I will, say, I will say that that will be hopefully a response you know, depending on, all these are just situational things. My thing is, we are slow to anger. And, and you may not be getting fistfights with people, but how many times do we put, put our own needs ahead of others as far as responses and relationships? When someone comes at us and hurts us, especially people we love, we want to fight them immediately, right? And the most difficult thing, and that's easy. I mean, I, I'll be the first one to get in somebody's face if they're trying to hurt my kids. But what's hard is, to see things from their perspective for just a moment before you react because you can change their life too. And this isn't easy for me to teach because I'm not trying to put anybody in danger. Don't be in danger by any means physically. But most of us don't get in physical fights every day, right? Most of what we deal with is is people dealing with different issues and different things. And so our response to them should not be defensive on our part because we are safe in the Lord. We are safe with the Holy Spirit our reaction to people is to help them in everything that we do. So when I teach my kids, look, when you're growing up, I'm not saying being ignorant and and let people take advantage of you, but in everything that you do, try to look at things from other people's perspective first because it will adjust the way that you react to people. An argument can be defused pretty quickly if you begin to see where they're coming from and why they're saying what they're saying. I promise you it'll change the whole atmosphere. If you want to combat It'll escalate quickly. Boom, 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 boom. I did it recently. On I was asking somebody, which is dumb. Don't ever ask opinions on Facebook. But I was asking on a on a page about something mechanical, and these two uh, tuners that tune computers got into a battle. And I mean, it was like 54 comments later. It got way out of control and escalated quickly. And one thought he could get more horsepower than the other. Blah blah blah. I mean, it just blowing out of like fifty thousand dollar bed. I'll fly you over to my shop. And I was like, what? I was just asking a simple question. But what I'm saying is if, if one of them would have at least looked at the other one's perspective and like private message and been like, hey, man, this is what, you know what I mean? Same thing. We blast people on social media in public. And how does that help anybody? It doesn't. It doesn't help anybody. Your ego, temporarily, maybe. If, you're, if you get the best of them, you may not. Some people smart out there, smarter than me and you. So be careful picking fights like that because when you begin to see human beings instead of just points and subjects, your perspective should change if you've got the Holy Spirit with you, right? You should be able to see people as people, not just arguments and political views and those kind of things. It should change your perspective. It's what we talk about all the time here. We, grace puts us in a peculiar position because if you, take, if you take just the law out of the way, now you have to deal with what you want to do. If you, if you just look to law or religion to guide you in your directions... It's pretty easy. I mean, most people can hit a few pins if there's bumpers up, bowling. But it's a little more difficult to navigate your own life by guiding, by being led either by your own knowledge or by your own um, experiences or by the Holy Spirit. That's a little more complicated thing. That's relationship. Um, and I've said before, I can go down a checklist of things with my wife. I've took the trash out, which I haven't. I took the trash out. If I, um, <laughs> I don't know that I haven't, but I'm sure I haven't because I always get blamed for that. 
Um, I could kiss her goodbye. I could send her a text that says I love you or whatever. But that, that in and of itself doesn't make a good relationship, does it? That's a list of things I did to fulfill some duty that I felt like I had. That's <laughs> a duty. I mean, it gets me every time. Um, but that's just a, a set of a list of things that I felt obligated to do to maintain a relationship that may not even be there. But if I genuinely look at her and go, okay, I love this person and I want to do some things, what are the things that I want to do? That's a completely different thing than the other. Now, I can still do all those things, but they're from a different place. Does that make sense? This is from the heart, not just logically evaluating, this will benefit me if I do all these things, right? It's a different perspective in seeing, things, seeing people, not as just things or, or objects. All right, I've rambled enough. Let me get, kind of get to my point here. Reel this back in. I went way on a tangent. What I was explaining to the kids um, the other morning about this kid and several other kids, there's one more instance I'll talk about, and then I'll move on. Um, I allowed Kylie, my middle daughter, who's not quite, a, not quite the age to be in youth. She kept bugging me to go to youth, and every once in a while I let her go up there. So she went up there, and Brian, our awesome youth pastor, Brian, was a <laughs> golf clap, soft golf clap, um, was teaching on loving, loving your enemy and blessing those that persecute you. It's another instance of the same thing. Um, and I can't cover every instance, but this was one specific one. And a teacher had done something, yelled at one of the kids or something. Um, and Kyla was saying that she was crying. I could see her eyes were red. I picked up from school. And she said that she had two suckers, and uh, she was going to give one to her friend, but after the teacher made her cry, she remembered what Brian was teaching about, um, loving those that, that persecute you or whatever and, and blessing those that blessing your enemies. And so she went and gave that teacher her sucker, her second sucker. And I was like, oh, that's the sweetest thing ever. But it's that kind of thing that I hope that they carry with them throughout life because the world's going to teach them to defend themselves. I don't even need to do that. The world's going to teach them the hard life. Um, but in as much as I can, I want to teach them to see things outside of what they see, feel, and hear with their, with their senses. I want to teach them of this unseen realm that's much better than the realm that we live in. I want to teach them that the Holy Spirit will let them see beauty in things that aren't necessarily beautiful to everyone else. I want to teach them to see people and see people at their full potential, not at the place where they're broken and at their lowest. Because those kids can do much more than I'll ever do if, if they will be led by the Holy Spirit. Because it took me 20 years to realize it. I hope that we can teach our kids. And I, and I know that Brian's doing the same thing. And in children's church, we, we say the same thing. We want these kids to know the truth of the gospel. Not just our opinions or, or anything like that. We want to show them as much as we can the truth and the good news of the gospel. So what we do is we try to make our strengths our intelligence, our abilities, our looks, our sense of humor, sometimes our finances, our ability to work really hard, and we look at those as our sources, right? This is where we gain strength. That's where we gain um, status in life. This is how we measure success. I've done it in youth years ago when I was, when I was a young youth pastor. I would, I would ask the kids, how do you define success? And how many of you know, you know, 99% of them are like, you know, money, uh, cars, fame, you know, all those things, because that's where the world, t that's successful, right? And those, how do you get those? Either you look good, you work really hard, you may manipulate the system or do whatever to climb the ladder. Um, all, all different kinds of things, money, whatever, you're talented maybe, whatever it is. But if you look at those things as your sources, um, you're going to be, you're going to be very sad and very short 
as you can see with most celebrities, they end up falling off because they're looking at those things as their source and their identity and who they are. So we have to live from a source outside of our dimension I spoke about just a moment ago. We have to live from a separate source. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in. This is where we have to get this, this mindset out that heaven's really far away and we'll get there someday and everything's going to be great someday. But what about today? What do you do with that theology when something happens to you right now? Do you just quit and die and go to heaven? I mean, is that, is that what we do? If we want to take this thing to our end, if you want to take that theology to, the, to its end, we should hold everyone just a little longer when we baptize them and I mean, what's the point? If, if, that's, if, if uh, glory land, I always point that way, but glory land is past those ceiling tiles, you know, several planets away, and that's where it is, when Scripture doesn't teach us that. He constantly said, I, brought, I came and I brought my kingdom with me, and I placed it in your heart. <sighs> life-changing. should be life-changing. And we've taken it and balled it up and thrown it back. <laughs> like, oh, no. We, we don't want to do anything. <laughs> we just want to hide in the corner and wait for the rapture. We, we don't want to hang out with sinners. We don't want to hang out with bad people. We just want to hide until something good happens a long time down the road, right? This is what we've done in the church. <laughs> we've, we've pushed everything off when God says, wait a minute, no, I came right now. I'm getting ahead of myself. Here's an example of living outside of your, your, your own resources, your own source and being led by the Spirit. Peter, stepping out of the boat. Y'all remember that? No one would have said, hey, Peter, I think you should step out on the water. I think that's good advice. I think this is going to be beneficial to you, right? That doesn't make any sense. But where's the safe place? We talked about last week. It's with Christ. Where's Christ? It's in your heart. Stormy waters are the safest place you can be if Christ is there. Safer than a dry boat. Right? This is living outside of what you see here, and that's why I close, another reason I close my eyes, other than the ADD that I suffer from, is I try to concentrate, okay, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? Because I, I see all of you, and I know a lot of you, and I'll start thinking, oh, well, I know what's going on here, and I know what's going on here, and I'm, you know, I'd be completely confused, and it'd be a rambling mess even more than I normally am. But if I can close my eyes, I can shut up and just listen and focus. It's just easier for me. Because I'm wanting to hear what the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. I want to hear what what Jesus is saying, not what I want to say, because I like to say lots of stuff. And so, second, second example, what, well, let me ask you this. If you had 5,000 people to feed, what would you do? What would your, what would your logical thing be? <laughs> what? Go to Costco. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I'd do. Go to Costco. They've got large boxes of food. But Jesus doesn't do that. He says, hey, get... Get that kid's lunch, that little kid's lunch, and we're going to multiply it. Okay, that sounds good. That should work. He's living outside of, of that. And what I love about Jesus is he uses a lot of different things for all the miraculous. He spits in people's eyes. He does all this stuff. And I really believe he does that so we wouldn't try to formulate it and make it a law. Be like, oh, we got to spit in everybody's eye. We would do that. We'd be like, we're going to have a spitting service at 6 o'clock tonight. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people showing up. It's going to be really good. If you're struggling with anything, we're going to spit in your face. This would be awesome. <laughs> uh, you laugh, but I promise you, some church out there has had a spitting service. I, doubt, I don't doubt it. But what we do, I think the reason he did that is because he met everybody where they were. And who knows what that guy was going through that he dealt with that had to do with saliva. I have no idea. Or, <laughs> or, the, or the lady that touched his garment, you know, that was something completely different. Everything was different. 
And, and he did it for a reason, I think, and it's so that we wouldn't try to overthink this stuff and overformulate it. He trusted every step. How? By listening to what the Father said. He said, look, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Why? Because I only do what he says. Everything, like everything. What are you going to do now, Jesus? I don't know. Let me, let me check. What am I going to do now, God? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the way we should be. What, what's our next step? I don't know. What are, what are we going to do? Lord, what, what do you want me to do here? What, what are we going to do? And it's not get inside your prayer closet. I swear it's a phrase that I can't get out of my head. There's lots. <laughs> your, your coats and your shirts don't need you as much as people outside do. I'm not saying don't take some quiet time and pray. Do that. There's nothing wrong with that. But I know people that that's the only time they pray. And they wear themselves out. You can get out of that closet and go pray for people all day, every day. And, and they need you more than your coats do. <laughs> I know that sounds insensitive, so I'm sorry if I offend anybody. But I'm just saying there, there is a, there's a mentality that says we've got to, to, to strive and fight to get nearer to God. And so I need to get on my face for four hours in my closet so that I can get nearer to God. And God's going, <laughs> I live in your heart. I can't go anywhere. I mean, you can pray, and I'm sure he honors that. Hey, you know, that's awesome. But that's, that's self-referential, and that's not what Christ is. Christ is outward-focused, from your heart out. It's a, it's a complete shift of everything you do. So now your prayer closet is all the time. <laughs> it's everywhere. It's everything you do. It's, it's, it's woven into you. It's in your DNA now. It literally is pumping blood through your body. I mean, this is how, how tight you and God are now. This is a simple idea that takes years to get into your head. Because why? You don't deserve it. You still screw up, right? You still, you're still tempted. You still have issues. You're not perfect. I mean, some of you may be. I'm not perfect. <laughs> so it's hard for us to wrap our mind around perfection in our heart, right? Ah, uh, no, no way. Yeah, yeah way. <laughs> yeah, feed on that. That will change your perspective on everything. Listen, John seventeen nine says, this is the middle of a long prayer. I think first uh, Jesus prays for himself, then for his disciples, then for everybody else. I think this is for his, yeah, this is for his disciples. John seventeen nine says, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me. For they are yours, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. Now, I'm no longer in the world, but these, where are they? Are in the world. And I come to you, Holy Father. Keep through your name those whom you have given me. And they may be one as we are one. While I was with, you, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you, whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost except for the son of perdition, talking about Judas, and the, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Where do you think you find joy? Do you find joy in the world? Some of us are, are late bloomers, and, you, and then you go out and try to find joy in the world. I tried to find it early on. I found out there wasn't, it wasn't out there. Um, But it says right there, my joy is fulfilled in them. Verse 14, I've given them your word and the word and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, right? We're pulling from a different dimension now. Just as I am not of the world, 
listen to this, this is very important. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. So he's not trying to pull everybody out of here and save them. He's saving you while you're still here. He's saying, look, I'm not praying, Father, that you take them out of the world. I'm going to go out, but I'm going to leave my Holy Spirit with them. I pray that you keep them from the evil one by your Holy Spirit in them. So he's saying, I do not pray that you take them out of the world, but you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world. Listen, they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. That's why we say we get to discover truth, not determine it. When, when I speak from the Holy Spirit in me, it's not just my opinion, although I may have some opinion with it. The Holy Spirit in you should agree because it's God's truth, not just mine. I'm just speaking what the Holy Spirit's leading me. I hope. I make mistakes too. But when that truth comes out, your Holy Spirit should resonate. Like we talked about two pianos on either, either side of the building. One plays a note. The other one will resonate with that same note because it, it feels that same thing, the same truth. He says, I do not pray that you... Uh, I'm getting back up. As you sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. Into the world. Not out of it. And for their sakes, I sanctify, my, sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. So he says, um, the prayer for us is that we are kept from the evil one, right? It's not to take us out of the world, but to be kept from the evil one. And he, and he accomplished that. Now listen, we're going to go back to Psalm 23.1. This is very common. Some of you may have it on your walls at your house or tattooed or just the whole shepherd one. Um, Psalm 23, 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Who's doing all this? He is, right? Does this sound uncomfortable? I'm going to go back to my, my last sermon Get, get into your comfort zone. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So all these are good things, right? He, he gives us all these things, pure joy, not laced with guilt and shame, but real joy. So look, in verse 4, it takes kind of a negative turn, it seems like. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Do you see the shifting gears here? Who walks through the valley of the shadow of death? I do. You do. Are you le- does God lead you in there? He's not leading us in those places. He's realizing that we're going to come across this. Now, the two things we talked about last week, we always want to go to. We either did something wrong. What was the other one? I forgot my own sermon. We either did something wrong or... Y'all remember what it was? No. Y'all forget my sermons too? Um, something wrong or... There's two anyway. One of the main ones, we think we did something wrong, and we're being punished, right, when, we, when something bad happens. It's ridiculous. God doesn't do that. God didn't, didn't take the life of someone you love to, to teach you something. That's not sound theology. That does not happen. We, we do live in a fallen place, in a fallen world where bad things happen, but those are not produced by God. He's saying that you're going to find yourselves in these positions. He, he knows what we're going to go through. And he's saying, look, You're going to find yourself in these positions. I'm not leading you there. This is not because of me. I don't want these things to happen. But he says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they make me very uncomfortable. (laughs) And they will beat me over the head until I get it right. (laughs) Right? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Wait, what? 
in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death? Because he's with you. That's the safe place. The valley of the shadow of death is a safe place as long as Christ is with you. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Let that sink in. Imagine being relaxed at a table with a feast in front of you and all of your enemies are there. I mean, get the, think about that for a minute. That's what he's saying here. Look, I got this. You're with me. You're good. I hope y'all get that. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. I'll amen that if y'all don't want to. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We talked last week about a, um, and this reminded me of this. Well, let me say this first. The old Hebrew, the, the old, uh, in, in Hebrew days, the, a good analogy is that the shepherds would lead the sheep around a mountain. They wouldn't lead them straight up the mountain because it wasn't safe. The shepherd would lead the sheep around the mountain. And it reminded me of last week we talked about the uh, ascending helix. Like a timeline being this way is what Western theology usually teaches. Uh, timeline, beginning, middle, end. And then even a lot of Eastern believe in circular where you, it comes around and like in seasons and you're even reincarnated over and over again. And what the Hebrews believed was in a, an ascending helix, which is seasons, but they're moving forward, upward. I put it on its side because it's easier for me because of the Western mindset. It was like a, a roller coaster, <laughs> swirly whirl. But this reminded me of that, and it made so much sense is, the shepherds would lead the sheep because it wasn't safe to go straight up a mountain. They would lead them around the mountain, right? Because it was safer to get to the top. And that's what the shepherds would do is they would lead the sheep in safe passage. And it was literally called the path of righteousness because it was the right path for the sheep. They would literally say, we're taking the path of righteousness to get up there because it was the right path for them to go. And so even though he didn't lead you into the valley, he's with you. If you're in the valley, he's with you. And here's what he does while he's down there. He will prepare a table in front of your enemies. He will give you so much comfort that you can sit down and relax in the, in the midst of your worst enemies. Now, here's something that I also try to teach my kids that is hard for them to see now, but I hope as they get older they'll see that people are not their enemies. This is hard for me to see. It's probably hard for you to see. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spiritual realms. It's easy for me to fight something I can see because that's the reality that I, that I find myself in sometimes, but the real reality is the spirit with which I draw life from, which is my source. So when I think I have an enemy, I have to see that there's an enemy beyond that enemy, and I have to see whatever that enemy is is what's persuading this enemy that's in front of me to do whatever it is that's against me, right? Right? goes back to what I was talking about at the beginning. When you see people and see it from their perspective, you can defuse and you can actually not only, I don't want to say defeat them because you're not winning or losing, but you can bring it down and actually help them in the midst of what they're going on in their lives because they're not fighting you either. Whether they know it or not, they're in a spiritual battle as well. Let that sink in for a moment, <laughs> especially the annoying one that you're thinking of right now. They're in a spiritual battle too. Hot mic. Let's go back to John 17, 14 for a minute. 
I've given them, hang on, let me see. I don't want to not be able to get to the end. I'm going to skip a little bit because I want to get to this part. All right, Christ is our source. If, if his Holy Spirit is leading, we need to be listening. If he is moving, we need to hear where he wants us to go. Because here's, here's what I found in my personal life. I've worked really hard and I've strived when I was lost in the world and even after I became a Christian to try to make things happen. And I may have had some small victories. For the most part, they were mostly failures. <laughs> um, and, was, and I was always let down, and it was always less than I expected. Does that make sense? For whatever I was striving for, I never, ever could get to the place that I wanted to be. Now, understanding the fullness of God's love and his grace for me, since that point, I have had Blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing. Not because I fought for it or I strived for it. Not to say I didn't work. I'm not saying I was just laid back and bring on all the good stuff. I mean, I did things, but they were all in response of what God was doing for me. What was, was, was blessing me in those places. It was all in response to those. Do you see the difference? And that's very counterintuitive for me. I'm used to working hard and and then ending with a result, right? Working hard, get a result, working, and I'm very impatient, so I want a really, usually quick gratification in whatever I'm working for. Um, and so I like pinpoint on stuff and just work on it until it's what I want. But this reaction, or this, this response, I guess, from Holy Spirit is a completely different way of living for me. And I want to encourage you that it's really awesome <laughs> because even though you find yourself either stressful, hurt, bummed out, whatever it is, you take a step back and look how far you've come from the place that when you were striving for it all, when God began to lay it in front of you, you'll begin to see that the, the, the trials that you're going through are like this big. They're like teeny tiny. It gives you a great perspective when you begin to see things through God's lenses, the way that he's, he's demonstrating it to you. So Psalm 1611 says, You will show me the path of life in your presence is fullness of joy. Where is fullness of joy? In your presence, where, where is he present? In you. I said it earlier and I'll say it again. Delayed joy is from the enemy. Joy is found in the presence of Jesus and he be in your heart. A delayed joy is from the enemy because it cripples you from doing anything today. Because someday it's going to be great or someday I'll be able to do something. Some days today. <laughs> Some days yesterday. Some days tomorrow. So the world presses forward from places of need, places of, places of lack. I speak from experience. Evil, selfish desires. We find things that we think that we need in the world. What I talk about with, with fame and fortune and all these things and you know, looks, always trying to fight the reality that, that there is much more for them than those things. This was, this was one of the great realities that I discovered after I was born again was all the things that I was striving for are way down here compared to what the Lord has given me way up here. I'm, talking, I'm not talking about things. I'm talking about, um, how do I put this? Whoa. That was rain. 
if you're listening on podcast later. Um, I'm talking about peace and joy, even in the midst of things that are not peaceful and are not joyful. <laughs> right? So we don't live like that. We don't live from a place of lack because we lack nothing in Jesus. He overfills us, right? Our cup runs over. He just told us in Psalm. There's no lack in Jesus, and if Jesus is in you, there's no lack in you. Once again, it takes a little while for this to get it, but it's done. So you don't live like that. Your source is Jesus, and he lives inside you. So we don't need to cheapen what we have so that we can think like an unbeliever. We don't need to go backwards and think that our blessings look like A, B, C, 1, 2, 3, because those are from our own perspective, which can be limited sometimes. Now, here's something I took. Uh, I heard another pastor teaching on this, and I had to share it because it's really awesome um, and gives you a really, really good, vivid picture. Um, and it was a friend of his. This guy's name was John. I just remembered it. Um, but he said his friend John was praying, and the Lord gave him a revelation. And what I love about the Holy Spirit is he doesn't just speak through me. He speaks through all of you. He speaks through this pastor, and he spoke through this pastor's friend named John. And this pastor's friend named John heard this from the Lord, and it really resonated with me. He said, as he was praying to the Lord, the Lord told him this. He said, the Lord told John this. He said, you treat me like a man that's been watching pornography. Now bear with me here. I know this sounds kind of rough. But he said, you treat me like a man that's been watching pornography and gets aroused. So he goes to his wife, and his wife fulfills his needs. And in her heart, she knows he wasn't the source that she wasn't the source. She knows it's someone else, but she fulfills it because she loves him, and she believes if she fulfills it that she will win him over with love. Now let that sink in a minute. When we take our own version of blessings and the things that we need in life, and we bring them to the Lord, and he goes, this isn't even what I have for you. It's the same thing. He's saying, look, it's, it's a perversion taking worldly things and bringing them to the Lord and saying, hey, give me all this stuff. And he's saying, I've got so much more for you. I've got real relationship, not just, not just the fake, which is the... And what's crazy is this, this isn't just things like cars and whatever. This is even religion. This is us bringing the Lord, here, I've done all these things, and I bring these to you. And he's like, I have more for you than just rules and regulations. I want a relationship with you. I want to know that when you come to me, that you want to be with me, that you want to spend time with me, that you care for me and you care for people. And I've said this before, if you don't love people, I really question if you love God. If you love God, you're gonna, you're gonna, it's going to be a natural byproduct that you love people because he loves people. And so what he's saying right here is there is a, a, a false and there is a real. And there is something that we can try to manufacture that will never be fulfilling. And then there's a reality that is fulfilling, and that's him. Hello. And we can, we can run around and try to manufacture something that we think is right and that we think is feel, that, that feels good, and we can bring it to the Lord, and he'll say, why? Why are you trying to manufacture something that I want to give you freely that's ten times better than what you're trying to do? Why, why do we try to cheapen something that is so much more valuable because those streets that he talked about that are paved in gold, they're right here. 
the, the hundred houses, they're right here. The blessings, they're right here. They're not just in the physical realm. They're from another dimension that he placed in our hearts. Boom. Now you're not grabbing from people and you're not responding to them and going, okay, I'm going to respond to you from a place of lack or from a place of frustration or anger. I'm going to, I'm going to respond to the safe place that I know that I am, which is in Christ and Christ in me, the hope of glory. Listen, there's, a, there's this idea that I haven't had in a while or I haven't heard in a while, but I know some people still deal with it, where in your workplace or your school place and you're stuck with all these people that cuss and, and you know, they're not saved, they don't go to church, and you pray, Lord, please just get me out of this situation. I just want to be around some believers so that I can worship you. And the, and the reality is he's got you in that place for a reason. He's not, you're praying against his will probably. He wants us to be salt and, salt and light, not salty and lit. I saw that on a shirt the other day. He wants us to be salt and light, so we, uh, we have, and this was a, a <laughs> I was watching, I don't really get into video games, but Chris was showing me some stuff about video games and stuff, and it's really interesting, by the way. They have like this whole Super Bowl of, of games where people get in there, and I mean, they got millions of dollars and sponsors and everything. It's pretty radical. But in the midst of the game, I was looking, this is one of those things where everything's spiritual, and there was... I don't know if it was a tool they got or something they got that was like a light that a lot of the screen that you couldn't see was dark, but there were little places that would show light that you could see other things. And the reality to me was, wow, how, how awesome is that? Because that's, that's what we are. We're, and, and it wasn't just for the people that were there. Couldn't you like plant them and other people could see? Is that right? So we can, we can do the same thing as that we can, we can demonstrate and we can be light and then we can even step away, and that, re- that seed is planted, and it begins to emanate and begin to show people the reality of God right there. It's like a seed that's planted. So everywhere we go, we should be light in those situations. And I promise you if, you, pray, if you're trying to pray your way out of there, be careful with that, because you could be praying against God's will for you, <laughs> because that's where he wants us to be. That's the place where we are, because just like Peter stepping off into the, into the waters, the safest place for, was with Christ in the waters. Now, he could have stepped back into the boat with all of his buddies, which was very good because he could fish and do all that stuff. But no, he went to an actual comfortable place, which was walking on the water for a moment. And what happened? He began to sink shortly after because he began to look around and not look at where his source was. His source was here, and what happened? Immediately, Jesus reached in and grabbed him. Did he swim real hard? You're like, I'll, I'll do different. I'll walk better. I'll do all the things that I'm supposed to do if you'll just save me, right? I'll do all this stuff. And no, Jesus is just like, hey, <laughs> I called you out here. I did it for a reason. We're good. You're safe. This is, this is the, the comfortable place you can find yourself in the midst of a, a storm, in the midst of something that's not joyous, something that's not peaceful, something that, that is not all these things that we know that the Christ has for us. You can find yourself in the midst of those places. And what begins to bubble up in you and runs over is that cup of joy begins to come out. I love it. I love it when I hear Joseph begin to laugh during worship. It's, it's contagious. I begin to laugh. It's j- just pure joy in worship. We sing and we worship up here, and it's, it's just so peaceful. This, this should be good and comfortable, whether you're standing up or sitting down or raising your hands or whatever. That's between you and God. But there should be a peace found when you're walking with him all the time and not just in here. I'm getting way over time, and I'm rambling now. Stand up with me. I'm going to pray for you guys. And I want to encourage you. You guys know I don't do a lot of, like, 
a lot of pressure and manipulation. Wow. You're welcome to hang out a little bit if you'd like to afterwards. Uh, yeah, and buy some, buy some stuff from the bake sale, yeah. But here's what I want to encourage you to do. i got to talk loud. I'll be like a preacher. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to... <laughs> I want you to <laughs> repeat after me. Now, what I want you to do is open your eyes in the Spirit when you leave this place. If you go to a restaurant, tip well, first thing, because we get a bad rep for not tipping. Tip well because those, those people that are serving you have to, have to make a living too. Also, well, turn me down just a little bit. I'll yell. <laughs> um, also, open your eyes and reach from a different source than what you see and see people how God sees people. And it will radically change the way you see things, I promise you. And listen, don't just look for um, good sermons or good worship services singing. Those are both good things, and I hope that you come back for them. But look for the guidance of the Holy Spirit every moment of every day of your life. And as you walk it out, I promise you it'll be much more fun and much more interesting than if you didn't. So, Father, I pray right now, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would lead us as we leave this place. Father, even as, as, if, as when we stay and, and buy some extra baked goods, um, Lord, that you would just... Uh, Continue to just well up in us your light and your glory and your hope and your joy. Um, Father, make it contagious today that as we, as we see other people, that we will recognize what they need and give it to them freely. Not make them earn it because you didn't make us earn it, but Lord, we give it to them freely just the way that you gave it to us freely. In Jesus' name, amen.